Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Law Seekers podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. Baby. Mm-hmm. Every week. Yeah. I like it in here. It's nice and warm, nice and toasty. Got a nice fire. I'm digging what these orcs are throwing down. It It is cold here. I will say that. And I feel a little bit like an outsider. <laughs> I feel like I'm especially hated because I'm an altner. <laughs> yeah, it could be an issue, but so far everybody's been okay. Just uh, slightly standoffish. I guess it's probably the same way in other parts of the world for orcs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is a cool ambiance in here, though. We're at the Greedy Gut uh, in Orsinium, mm-hmm. and there's kitties running around in here, too. But um, it's kind of a cool place. I dig it. I love Orsinium. Period. It's such a wonderful place. And the orcs aren't too bad. And uh, even the barmaid's friendly. Hey! Um, what can I get you, boys? Yeah. I'll take a uh, Orz. I don't know how to say this right. Orzorgas Red Ale for me, please. Ooh. Might have to taste that one. I'm going to have a Orc Crest Agony Pale Ale, please. It's agony. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, what have you been doing this week? Well, um, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in Battlegrounds again this week, and I now have three different characters that I am doing PvP on. Mm-hmm. And I finally, I don't know why I didn't do this before, but I've been trying all kinds of different builds. I've been trying Warden builds, and I tried a Dragonite build. And I didn't realize that why don't I just stick with what I know that I love, which is the Sork. Uh-huh. So I looked up uh, an all-cast build by the name of Wrath. And it's a Sork build for PvP. And I fell in love. That's, it's super fun. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a really good build. Very powerful. It's got a little heal to it. The earlier levels... Because, of course... All cast builds, he gives you endgame builds, right? Mm-hmm. So I started from scratch with the Sork, and those beginning builds until you get some type of shield mechanism, it's you're a little squishy. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a light time. armor build, but it is a glass cannon. Yeah, yeah, you really are. You die a whole lot more. <laughs> you do die, but if you can stay kind of in the back, especially on Deathmatch. I didn't like Deathmatch very much because I was not that good at that particular style of play. But I'm not kidding you. I sent you a screenshot, or maybe I sent you a text message. I got upwards of 10 kills on my very first match at level 10. Wow. Just by standing in the back and raining absolute fire. That's awesome. Yes. It was fun. So you put on all these, you know, all this um, fire damage over time and you end up, it's, I don't know, it's kind of sneaky, but you end up stealing a lot of kills that way. Right. But when the final scoreboard came up, I was blown away. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It was like 11, I think 11 kills on my first match Mm -hmm. at level 10. 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was doing. Yeah. Uh, I actually started a Sork as well for PvP, and um, that again, that was kind of, you know, kind of what the theme was for me again this week. This will probably be the last week where I'm pretty much only doing battlegrounds. Um, I got to get back into to the questing and get back in the world. But um, so yeah, uh, I am testing a build from Dots Gaming, and uh, so far I dig it. It's fun. Um, it's very different. You are, like you said, very glass cannon. Um, but I love the amount of burst that this build has. It's just an insane amount of burst if if you can get yes. your procs. And um, so it's really good. It's good. Still testing it. Still young with the uh, with the sork. He's still a little a wee little lad. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this particular build does at later levels. But I'm gonna try to just level him up in in. Um, Dungeons exclusively, or uh, Battlegrounds exclusively, and some dungeons thrown in there, just so I get that daily and you get that, right. that nice boost. Yeah. But um, I feel what you're saying about wanting to get back to questing. So I started, last couple evenings, like late at night, I started questing on my main. Mm -hmm. um, just because I wanted, and of course he's a sort too, but I wanted to get back and, and try and finish everything up in Somerset, not just main right. quest line. I want to try and finish everything up and then get back to some of the other content. Uh, and then we also did our, um, we did trials again this Saturday, this last Saturday night and with blood eye and she's amazing. Another shout out to her. Uh, we had another successful run of two trials this week and it looks like we're going to be continuing that every Saturday night. Nice. So, Love it. Yeah, that was, that was my week in ESO. Well, that's fan freaking tastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you actually did more PVE than I did. I've been I did just strictly. I think I did do some dungeons, but it was mostly just battlegrounds. Still testing and trying battlegrounds. There's one thing that I found, and I kind of feel like, you know, we we haven't talked about Cyrodiil yet because we're not diving deep into Cyrodiil. So we've been diving deep into battlegrounds because we want to be able to convey it to you guys, and and so I feel like I have an opinion a little bit more about battlegrounds now. Um, a few weeks in. There's one thing that really bothers me, because I love... Oh, one thing I forgot to mention was I have a Templar that I'm using that um, I do really, really well with, and it's strictly healing. And you get next to zero credit when you're doing heals. Good um, point. And that's and that I feel like that, that, you know, that really bothers me, because that's a... I mean, we played Deathmatch, and we won... Drast I mean, just like blew other teams out of the water. We won because they were alive. Every fight we encountered, I think I only had maybe two teammates that died. I was able to actually keep them up, and it made me feel good, you know, like, oh man, I did this. This is awesome. And then um, I look at the scoreboard afterwards, and I'm like, oh, I'm on the bottom with hardly any points because <laughs> I healed while I was yes. taking bases. I had the same thing happen to me because I also tried a, I rolled a Templar healer specifically for PVP. And I was kind of disappointed because of that same exact thing. I was like, man, this is, I guess it's just not enough glory. You need a, bit, a little bit more glory for, for healing, a little more incentive um, for healing. But you really, like, you got to heal your butt off and then, you know, your big payoff at the end yeah. is... Is just a win. Yeah. So that that is that is kind of disappointing. And you know the other thing too that I was a little bit bummed about was the um, the cues. Man, the cues are freaking funny acting sometimes. Yeah. It'll 
it will, you know, you'll queue up and, and it'll, it'll ding pretty quick. You know, the, the queues pop pretty quick, but it will, it will constantly say like it sometimes like seven, eight, nine, ten times where it would say somebody declined the invite, somebody declined the invite, somebody declined the invite. It was like almost a joke at the end. It's like, really? That many people queuing up and one person is saying no. So it was just, I don't know if it's a system thing or if it's legitimately that people queue up and and hit the decline. It's like, hey, dumb dumb heads, don't do that. <laughs> if you're queued for PvP, hit the stinking button. Yeah. And it's F. The button is F. It's not X. You know, there is um, something I found that kind of alleviates that, um, particularly for you know you when you're queuing up, so you're not having, having to spam F and stuff isn't popping up in front of you on the screen, is there is an add-on. I believe it's called Midas, but it's Midas Battleground Queues, and it'll automatically queue you up. And so, like, you, nice. you initiate it, and then once the the queue actually pops, it'll select ready for you. And you'll never actually see the screen anymore. So oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And that is your ESO 101 lesson for this episode. There you go. Uh, well, we should probably move on anyway. Um, so it's time to talk about the future of our show. <laughs> oh, are we doing this? We're doing this. We're doing We're doing the a little people. tease. The people are going to be teased. They are going to be teased. Hey, Cash, don't say anything for a second. Let's take a deep breath. This is our last episode. For two weeks. <laughs> oh, we had him. I guarantee you we had him. <laughs> Suckers. Oh, man. All right, so here's the dealio. Uh, next week will not be a regular episode. It's going to be a very special release. It's going to be a very large download. <laughs> hope you have some time on your hands. Very large, like 400 megabytes worth, give or take 50. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a very special release that we're doing for, for all of you. Um, and then the following week, which would be, I believe, July 13th, we will not have an episode that week. But we will be announcing something very special that week. And we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tease about it. Just gonna have to wait until then, but trust me, it is well worth it. And we talked about how we, you know, we're really we're depending on E3 to see where it went, to see uh, kind of how things progressed with Bethesda and the moves that they made and Zenimax. And so, um, you know, in our continuing endeavor to push this show and constantly keeping it fresh so it doesn't get stale, not the same old thing every time, we are uh, we got some special stuff coming. So we will actually return, all this said and done, we will actually be returning on the 20th of July with a new episode, regular episode. Right. And that's all you're going to find out. Yep. Until then. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Special announcement coming July 13th. You can look for that next week. Huge download. (laughs) May your internet speed ever be in your favor. Um, but it's pretty awesome, and I think you're going to enjoy it. You made it very clear uh, the things that you like on this show. We want to make sure and give that to you. So, anyway, uh, this week on the no, show, no, would you stop what? giving them hints? I did. No I more stopped. hints. I was gentle. I stopped. Uh, this week, 
<laughs> this week on the show, we're talking uh, the sound of ESO. And we are finishing, and we probably should explain this, the last racial, or what we believe to be a racial motif with the orcs. Lore lessons. Ooh, you're going to upset a lot of people that we didn't include the Imperials in a race. Yeah. So you guys have brought to our attention that we have not included the Imperials. And we are aware. We haven't forgotten. It's just... I do not... Cash and I do not... Consider them a race as much as a political faction slash... What would you call it? Just like I don't know, group. Not it's more than a yeah, group. Yeah, I but. wonder if any of our, I wonder if any of our listeners that got upset with us over that if they um, have ever considered that we're trying to make a political statement. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing nowadays. Cloak so there. <laughs> yeah. So bring your picket signs. No, don't you send that email. Put your phone down. Don't, don't you put do your it. phone down. We don't need it. We will we're, we will cover the Imperials. No, we will. Just don't you worry about it. Yeah, don't you worry. We're going to cover them. But uh, as far as we're concerned, this is the last racial motif as far as different races in the Elder Scrolls Online, so we'll be doing that as well. It doesn't mean that the lore stops, by the way, because we are going to be picking some really neat stuff. July 13th. For our lore lessons. Our lore lessons will never end. Nope. That will, they will continue every single episode. Yep. And it's just going to get that much more special. Trust me. Oh, and one other thing I need to address. <laughs> so, I posted on my personal Twitter, uh, at JibsIRL, a photo of uh, a, another game I was playing. I was playing Ark Survival Evolved. How dare you? And I think people thought, oh my gosh, he's leaving ESO. Oh my gosh. And I just want to clarify. <laughs> I'm not leaving ESO, but I am a gamer. And so when I'm not playing ESO, I'm probably playing other games as well. So don't get alarmed if you see me post pics of you know, fun things I'm experiencing in other games. Uh, playing other games helps keep me fresh for this show and also to keep coming back to ESO. So I'm not going anywhere. I don't, I don't do that. Well, I play ESO. You're kind of a one-track mind. And then I play Skyrim. And then <laughs> when I want to sh- when I want to shoot people in the face, I play first-person shooter. Play Fallout. Yeah, play a little Fallout. So yeah, we're gamers. You guys are all doing the same thing, I'm sure. But no, we're not going anywhere. ESO is my absolute love. I like to sing now all of a sudden too. Mm. Yeah, you've. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Hey, you two, give us some news. All right. Well, this is the last news session for a bit with our show. Uh, so, this little article came out past week on uh, Elder Scrolls Online. It says, discover the team and work behind the music and sounds of Somerset. Now, you know, it really was uh, It was really actually a really interesting article we got a lot of cool stuff out of it um but what we wanted to do was kind of just a discussion on music in elder scrolls in general and you know like to me the music in any elder scrolls game it plays like such a technical 
such an integral role in my playthroughs. Like when I think of Elder Scrolls, I the music to me is right up there with you know, one of the mo one of the reasons the franchise is so unique. You know, it's that f those feels of the environments and the and the amb the ambience uh, for for me personally when I would play Oblivion. Anytime I was in like a cave, you know, especially you know the vamp the vampire caves. You always just had such a unique sense, and it always felt so mystical and so like it, you know how we love Star Wars, and the music in Star Wars is is its own thing. You know, when we were watching the movie, it's like ah, oh, there's that music, there's that orchestra, you know, and and I feel like the same with Elder Scrolls. Oh yeah, I mean the music has become very iconic for us, especially those of us who have played. Um, the other games it's it's very much similar but it's its own thing in Elder Scrolls Online and I personally do not like playing a game without music now there's times that I, I will, I'll switch the volume down like if we're running Trials or a Vet Dungeon or something where it requires good clear communication mm -hmm. sometimes I'll lower it down but I usually never play without some type of music and yes you're right i i love star wars music i'm a huge fan of the genre and i have pretty much everything that they've released and it's also the same way for me with elder scrolls not just elder scrolls online but all of the elder scrolls games i have all the soundtracks for them and then there's even some stuff online that you can find where people have made their own mm-hmm music right. that sounds Elder Scrollsy, in particular like um, like loot music. Yeah. And we you and I have heard quite a bit of it while we were, you know, doing the show, putting the show together, looking for music, and I found all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh my gosh. So right. that's part of my regular rotation now. And sometimes I like to switch it up. So I will turn the music volume all the way down in Elder Scrolls online and then I'll play a playlist from YouTube that ha or or our, our bard in our discord will be playing like Elder Scrolls music ambiance right. sounds and it makes such a difference like it, it's really neat to be running through an area of Elder Scrolls online and then all of a sudden you know you're you're hearing the music from Skyrim it's just super nostalgic um and then, you know, of course, the music from Elder Scrolls Online anyway is just so well done. Oh, agreed. That I, yeah, well, like when I play a game, I want to be completely engrossed in game and out with the music. And uh, that's why, like, if, if I just want to think or if I'm studying or if I'm reading, I just drop on some music. When I do lore lessons, every lore lesson I write, I have Elder Scrolls music playing in the background. Yeah, every time, it's such an experience. Oh, absolutely, and you know, I think um, people got to remember too. It's Elder Scrolls. The music in Elder Scrolls is more than just you know the orchestra, the the actual soundtracks. It's the ambience. It's the um, the anim sounds of animations. You know, just the monsters, etc. In the article, they talked about you know the team has amassed a library that has over thirty two thousand unique sound effects and and i will totally agree with everything that you said like i'm the exact same way 
you know, a lot of times I'll play other tracks from other Elder Scrolls games while I'm playing ESO. But other times, and a lot of the time, I will completely drop out all music from the soundtracks. And just, and I'll crank the ambience all the way up. And as you play, I found that you get this really unique sense of how alive the world really begins to feel. And, you know, a lot of times, too, researching the show, I want to hear what NPCs are saying, etc. And uh, it brings such a unique experience to play the game. You know, to run through Alakir Desert or run through Glen Umbra and have your ambience pumped all the way, the max and uh, foot, and, you know, like I think it footsteps volume. You'll have that turned down a little bit. It's really, really unique experience. Yes, agreed. Uh, case in point, I was running through Somerset uh, a few weeks back, and I was in like this cave, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm running around this cave, and, and you go through this cave system, and then you're in this massive cavern. Right. Well, the cavern connects to the sea on the opposite end. And this look to me, as I go in here, it looks like this is the perfect place for pirates to hide a ship. Right. Lo and behold, there's a ship. It's a wreck. Oh, okay. The ship's, awesome. ship's all busted up. The ship's in there. It's on its side. The watt looks like the tide has gone down in the, um, in the cavern and the ship is, you know, all bashed up on its side. So I'm running around doing my quest thing and I'm just kind of searching this cavern and I can hear the water lapping up against the ship and like the ship is creaking just creak yeah creak yep. and I'm just like you have got to be joking me this the the amount of attention to detail when it came to the ambiance in there yeah and it it, th- that for me was like a a marked moment in my mind again about why I love the game so much is because there's so much attention to detail and that that translates too into you know little scenes and stuff that you'll see when you're running around like you you'll be running around in the world and you'll see like a tree with you know a um, uh, a painter's canvas like propped up on it with a chair and a, you know, um, some paints and stuff right there. Like, okay. And, and it's like up on some scenic overlook and you can tell the guy was painting the scene, but it's like, okay, I wonder where that guy is. What's right. the story behind this? Yeah. So those are the little attention to detail things that I really enjoy about the game. And it absolutely resonates in the music and the ambiance. Yeah, I would agree. And, and one of my favorite places to go, and I think it's because I've been there so much. And, you know, the fact that you know, we were Daggerfall Covenant for a lot of our characters for so long, now switching over to Minion, so we're over in Aradon, et cetera, you know, and playing around there. But being in Glen Umbra and listening to the rain coming in, listening it to it, switching from, you know, where it's just sunlight, birds are chirping, but you can actually hear the rain coming in from a distance. It is so awesome. It is the yeah. coolest thing ever. Agreed. Uh, Good work. Agreed, 100%. There, they actually said in the article, quote, there are over 15,000 monster and NPC sounds alone, which 
You know, it makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Becky Ignoski, the VO supervisor, said, quote, We have 7,224 lines of unique dialogue in Somerset alone. Whoa. <laughs> I can definitely see that. There is the quests are long. Oh, you know, are, there yeah. are so many choices for you to follow up with questions after I mean you're gonna when you initiate conversation, you're gonna be there a minute. Especially if it's attached to a quest. There's a yeah. lot of content there. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I almost feel like ESO has kinda laid a good benchmark for you know, like to me what questing I want questing to be with Somerset I feel like playing through Somerset you know that main story it, it just has so many layers the conversations have so many layers that I feel like I really haven't had before and maybe I wasn't paying attention to as much uh, beforehand before playing in Somerset with the expansion but I just feel like all the dialogue has so many layers and you're right, you have so many options, and it is an the side quests are, I mean, it's incredibly layered and has such incredible depth to it. And so I could totally see that, you know, 7,200 lines, absolutely. And, oh, here's a fun, fun little tip. They've actually started recording already for Merkmire, upcoming Argonian DLC, so there's that. Yeah, I can see that. Good, good. Yep. Take your time. Take your time. Take your sweet time. I got a lot of game to play still. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he didn't take his time. Look who showed up early. Whoa. Enter my mind, Vestige, and walk with me through the shadows of past events. This week, we are going to talk about a race who has really seen a lot of crap <laughs> in their so time. what else? And have been <laughs> treated like crap. I guess they really all have. They all have a history. Um, the orcs I kind of feel bad for. Even though I'm not a, a huge fan of kind of the way they live their life. But um, they are formidable. For, formidable? a formidable <laughs> race and uh, kind of interesting like all the other ones so anyway we shall start they are also known as the Orsimer or in ancient times the pariah folk but believe it or not the orcs are a breed of elves hailing from the Rothgarian mountains Dragontail mountains Valenwood and, of course, Orsinium, which Orsinium is Orcish for Orc Town. So, when I read this at first, I, yeah, maybe you can see some similarities, but I was like, elves? Excuse me, what? But as a matter of fact, the old Orcish language is actually part of the Elnifex language, and that, that family of language, and is most likely a descendant of Old Mary's. Uh-huh. So it shares the uh, the same basic linguistic ancestry with uh, other elven languages. So there's Ald Chimeris, there's Dunmeris, there's Dwemeris, 
There's Falmer, Alt Marys, Boz Marys, and then um, Alia Dune. So, and the Aliens, yes, eventually we will talk about the Aliens as well. But um, yeah, so it kind of, it kind of not just, it's not speculation. I mean, it's proven that the orcs are a breed of elves. They bleed orcish blood or elvish blood. They just suck at magic. So, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> so they are, they're definitely considered beast folk. They are also considered goblin kin, but having that elvish blood pumping through their veins, they have some very unique traits. Um, they're known for having very stout hearts, for being incredibly courageous in battle, mm-hmm. and um, they have also been in service, very notable service to the Empire, though they've had a very sordid past. They have been, at this point, widely accepted in Tamriel. But it does not stop people from screwing with them. <laughs> I just did a quest. Oh. I just did a quest in Somerset where this high elf absolutely pissed off this orc. <laughs> and this orc wanted nothing more than to kick the crap out of this high elf. Oh, that's so funny. Well, being in Somerset, this orc had no idea about the customs of combat, of one-on-one combat and dueling in Somerset. So you got to run around and do all this stuff for him to prepare him for this duel. And then once the duel happens, I was severely disappointed in the outcome. And no, I will not tell you what happens, (laughs) but it's funnier than hell. (laughs) Yes. So, so anyway, um, yeah. Turns out uh, this poor orc, he was just not treated very well. Just having a bad day all around. <laughs> just Yeah, while well, he's on an orc on Somerset is not going to equal a good day for the orcs. So. Mm, right. <laughs> all right. So we all know orcs are incredibly heavily muscled. They have a big muscled frame. They are very large in comparison to the other races of Tamriel. And they are the only race in Tamriel to actually have tusks. Uh, from their mouth yes so um they uh they're known to have different coloring some of the coloring goes from light green to a dark brown uh skin tone and they are as we stated not very well known for having a particular affinity for the magical arts they suck at it kind of (laughs) you can still make it work you can still make it work but it's not going to be the optimal because i'm a min-maxer i guess you know i really don't see magicka orcs in fact yeah i can count on my hand how many i've actually seen since you know coming back all those months ago now it has been noted in history that there have been a few powerful mages that were of orcish blood but there's not that many there's very few so um normally they they really make their true mark on the field of battle as warriors adventurers and Typically legionnaires for the Empire. So, anyway. Now, where they, another area that they make their mark is as armors and blacksmiths, especially in the use of the metal or calcum. Um, of course, you can find that all over the world, but they are very, very well known for their work as armors and blacksmiths. And it's normally the females. We'll talk about that a little bit as we go along here. 
Um, many orcish armorers are very revered for their work. And when you see an orc in crafted orcish heavy armor on the front lines for the Empire, they have been known to be incredibly fearsome. Um, and then, of course, when they fight, they mix that with their infamous berserker rage and get out of the way because they're going to steamroll you. I will give them that. That they're, uh, I love their motif. I think they look great. Absolutely look great in game. That armor does yeah, look good. They're cool. It, uh, it looks really good. Now, it's, of course, it's not as refined as a high elven armor. It never will be. It's more crude, but it's heavy and uh, very functional, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. So, all right. An orc's lifespan, very similar to a human. So it's not that long in comparison to some of the other races. Um, and then most imperial citizens consider orc society to be very cruel and harsh. We will be talking about this as we go along here. Orcs speak orcish. And this language was originally developed by the orcs of Iliac Bay. So different from Elna, from the Elnifex language. But uh, they have their own uh, language nowadays. Hmm. Little history of the orcs. Okay. You're going to laugh at this. <laughs> okay. Um, it kind of gets a little deeper here, but basically the orcs were said to have been created when the Daedric Prince Boethia, Boethia, you'll remember, was a prince of deceit, conspiracy, secret plots of murder, assassination, treason, and the unlawful overthrow of authority. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a fine, upstanding citizen. Sounds like a freaking felon. <laughs> anyway, they were said to have, uh, the orcs were said to have originally been created when Boethia defeated the Aldmeri god Trinimac, transforming him into Malakath. We can dive a little deeper into that story here in a couple minutes. But at the same time, the faithful Aldmeri followers were turned into the orcs. It is still unclear when this transformation actually took place, but there are accounts of orcs inhabiting the region of Iliac Bay since the beginning of the first era. So we huh. really don't know when all this took place. Interesting. Yes. The earliest orcs, and some still today, were viewed, are viewed, as a threat to other races. And I would mainly say because of their their warlike customs, their prowess on the battlefield, and their mere size. They're going to be a threat to anybody they come in contact with. Absolutely. Just because they're massive, they're intimidating. So, the earliest, like the regatta. Remember when we talked about the regatta when the red, the red guards, mm-hmm. they drove the orcs out of Hammerfell so they could make a home for themselves. Right. So, imagine how fearsome the regatta was to be able to drive the orcs out of Hammerfell. That's saying something. That's a whole level of badassery right there that you probably don't want to be on the receiving end of. Yeah. Um, so, at that point, when those orcs left Hammerfell, a lot of those refugees headed towards Orsinium and ended up founding the first Orsinium. So the strength, the strengthening of that particular stronghold was because of that influx of refugees and um, the natives of the region were kind of unsettled. So they all moved into that region. 
But as a result, several kingdoms kind of allied together in the region of High Rock to invade the Orc kingdom uh, in the first era. And they were successful in routing the Orcs. So the Orcs were really left with no home and they started to, to experience a lot of prejudice. I guess you could really call that. I mean, it was kind of the first time they were kicked out of their home. Um, <laughs> it's certainly not the last time. <laughs> so... Um, during the time period of ESO, Orsinium is controlled by Daggerval Covenant, obviously. The city was given to Kurog Grobakrag's clan as a reward for assisting King Emmerich in the defeat of Ranser, the king of Shornhelm at the time. And then Kurog ended up becoming the king of Orsinium and then joined forces with the Daggerfall Covenant soon after. Mm-hmm. In the Third Era... Gortwag Gro-Nagorm, that was a hard one, Wow! became a very powerful leader of the what they, at the time was called the Nova Orsinium um, and basically forced the emperor to formally recognize Orsinium as an equal to other kingdoms of the Iliac Bay region. So there's all this struggle for recognition and then old Gortwag found a way to basically forced the emperor to recognize Orsinium. Right. And then later on in the fourth era, Orsinium would be sacked again by the Red Guards and the Bretons, their little Red Guard Breton Alliance. Um, And then Orsinium's surviving orcs were basically refugees once again. And they were kind of just, we're out. And they spread all over different areas, most notably like Skyrim. A lot of them joined the Imperial Legion. And then Orsinium was once again founded in the mountainous regions in between Hammerfell and Skyrim. So I kind of feel bad for them. They just get routed in all, all these different directions. And it seems like the poor orcs always kind of seem to lose. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. Like, I don't, <laughs> I agree. I don't have any <laughs> more than sympathy. for. Them. Yeah. I guess I really don't either. I mean, but, Okay, so here comes the part. We're going to talk a little bit about the religion and delve a little bit into the story of how Malakath was born. Um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just going to throw this out there. It's you, You're going to trip out. If you've never heard this story before, you're going to trip out. It's, ter- it's terrible and awesome at the same time. Okay. Orcus religion mainly centers around the worship of Malakath, right? Mm-hmm. The stories of Malakath's origins state that Boethia ate Trinimac and basically pooped out Malakath. <laughs> Dude, that is true dat. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. He is pooped out Malakath. Living poop. All right. Um, Noted. So Malakath, of course, disagrees says, no, 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 this, that's, this story is far too literal. Um, but he doesn't have any refute for it, really. <laughs> like, okay, well, where'd you come from? Well, I'll tell you that story on another episode. <laughs> but the, what you said about the poop? No, 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 that's not how it is. No, 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 no. So, yeah. I am more inclined to believe that Boethia ate Trinimac and pooped out Malakath. It's just more fun so, to believe that. <laughs> it's It's <laughs> hilarious, actually. So... Anyway, um, the religious sect known as the Wrathful Flame 
claim that Malakath's renowned anger is due to the many failures of the orcs and the destruction of Orsinium. That I can see as fact. Because, I mean, the orcs are cool. They, they really are. But when it comes to, like, building a home and keeping it, they kind of suck. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is a, ret- a, a ritual for, with the Wrathful Flame where they burn a pyre and Malakath seeks to fuel his followers... Uh, he seeks to fuel their vengeance to last an additional generation by the burning of that pyre, symbolizing the loss of Orsinium, and he's basically just trying to get everybody pumped up. It's like a it's like a pep rally with a burning pyre. Huh. Yeah, Orcish society. This is where they kind of lose me, a little bit, a lot of bit. <laughs> so Orsinium, Orsinium's considered to be the main home of the orcs, right? Yeah. But there's Orcish settlements all over Tamriel, especially like Second Era. You play through the game. There are Orcish settlements kind of all over the place. There's different Orc strongholds. They're very widespread during the time, uh, especially through Rothgar. Many Orcs settled in the Skyrim region. There was the um, Duskanith Yal, the Largash Burr, the Narlzal Burr, the Morkaz Gur, and the Cradle Crush. Cradle Crush Orcs. Like, the only common name is the one that I screw up. Perfect. Nice I'm, job. I'm Cash. not going to lie. Suck. It sounds like it's just a whole lot of Swedish chef from the Muppets going on. It. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it sounds like I was trying to clear my throat for the last entire lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so other tri- other Orc tribes actually inhabit, inhabit Valen Wood, and those are collectively known as the Wood Orcs. Awesome. And then the Iron Orcs live in the Dragon Tail Mountains of Upper Craglorn. Okay, a little fun fact. The Orcs have a very jaded history. We do know this. They're widely considered by themselves to be outcasts to the rest of society. So many of their traditions reflect the fact. this fact. For example, when Orcs are wed, they don't get married during the day. They get married at midnight. Okay. I mean, it's, pretty that's cool. Fact. That's it. Yeah, pretty cool. A little bit weird, but they are they're they're going opposite of what the norm normally does, and I don't know if they're doing it at midnight to to hide themselves so that nobody else will see. I don't know. Kind of weird. But their society loses me a little bit. Um, the main focus of, of Orcish society is the power and independence of each individual stronghold. Each or, uh, orc settlement lives based on polygamy. So the tribe is controlled by the strongest orc in the tribe, the strongest male in the tribe. The chieftain is always the alpha male. And he takes all the women in the stronghold as, their, as his wives. They father all of the children. And presumably, presumably why this happens is because they want to ensure strong offspring and survival of the clan. And the chieftain is only replaced by one of his sons when they grow old enough to eventually challenge and honorably kill him. Wow. That's intense. Sorry, dad. You got a little, you got a little stitch or got a little uh, hitch in your giddy up. It's time. I'm going to whoop your ass. (laughs) And I'm like, that is terrible. I mean, they put such a high focus on family, but at the same time, they kill their dad. 
I think that just goes to show, though, the, uh, like, ruthlessness, you know, as far as going back to how the Imperials viewed them in general. Like, I just feel like that gives merit to how the Imperials feel. Like, I... I, I it does. So I totally... It, it makes you, like, you know, fear them that much more. I mean, shoot, they have no problem challenging their dad to kill him to take a throne? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not cool. Not cool at all. Party fell. So basically, the strength of the tribe depends on the individual strength of their chieftain. Mm-hmm. Really, really weird. Uh, traditional Orca society abides by the code of Malakath. So this code prohibits theft. This this code is actually kind of awesome. This code, Code of Malakath, prohibits theft and unwarranted violence and places a very heavy emphasis on honor and personal strength in order to resolve conflict. So if an orc breaks the code, they're not he's not going to be imprisoned. Instead, those who violate the Code of Malakath have to compensate the wronged or pay the blood price. <laughs> this is awesome. The blood price is paid when the offended party spills the blood of the wrongdoer until they are satisfied. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's like you could completely kick the crap out of the guy who stole your goat. And if you're not done, you're not done. <laughs> and the guy's like, no more, no more, no we're more. Get out of my I swamp. We're done. Get out of my swamp. And he's like, uh, no, that's, I'm not done. <laughs> I hit you again. <laughs> so that is the blood price. Now, orcish women. Orcish women, strong like bull. Mm. Not slackers. They're expected to contribute just as much to the tribe as the men are. So many orcish women perform functions uh, like warriors, hunters, herbalists, and most particularly, smithing. I like it. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, smithing is an orcish art that is relegated to the women. So the chief, yes, the, uh, to this extent, the chieftain's second wife is always called the forge wife. That's awesome. And I remember, I remember running into this in the game. There's a, there's a quest line that's completely about this. Um, a wise woman is usually the chieftain's mother is tasked with the tribe's spiritual and healing practices. And then every other woman in the stronghold are either the wives or daughters of the tribe's chieftain. That can get a little weird, I would imagine. <laughs> and then this is the part that loses me. Totally loses me. The daughters of the chieftain are often traded to other strongholds to marry other chieftains. Nope. I don't. The whole arranged marriage I, thing, I'm just. I don't know. Really like, weird. that doesn't. Like, I don't. Obviously, you know, like that. I've, I've seen that happen so much in, in TV shows. Like,. You know, for instance, like the very first couple episodes of Game of Thrones. I mean, like it just—I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I just—I think I'm a little numb to that. I don't agree with it, but I just, you know, I'm a little numb, so it doesn't really phase me too much. <laughs> nope. I, I am a father of a daughter. There is no way that she's going to marry somebody that she doesn't know or like or love or, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's her choice, is what I'm saying. I'm not going to be like, hey, you know what? Um. My buddy has a really cool son, and uh, his son is, uh, he's a smith, and um, 
He has a little bit of a droopy eye, but I want you to marry him. <laughs> First of all, my daughter would laugh me out of the house. <laughs> Second of all, I couldn't do that to her. Hmm. Okay, so orcish life. Very strict, very patriarchal. Patriarchal, yeah, I did that right. Okay. Um, it's not every orc's cup of tea, however. So there's a lot of orcs, both male and female, as, as we see with the adventures um, that we have in game that we play alongside. They leave the stronghold to see the greater world of Tamriel. Many become legionnaires with the Imperial Legion. Uh, many make their way to fortune in various other disciplines, like adventuring. Uh, but due to the unquestionable skill of orcs in battle and their craftsmanship, it is absolutely no mystery as to why they have been able to travel the world and have really flourished at life outside of the stronghold. But these orcs that have left the strongholds and have left that traditional orcish life are considered city orcs by traditional orcs, and they're considered outsiders. So hmm. um, here's another kind of weird and disturbing fact. Because of their size and appearance, interbreeding with other races is very rare, and many believe it is impossible between orcs and other races. Um, so, yeah, like a wood elf and a orc, that. what would that look like? I don't want. Let, I don't care. I don't want to know. It sounds Awful. painful to one of the parties. So, you guys do whatever you want with that fact. I just pres I present them. You oh. interpret them. Oh, man. You know, I could see Nords and Orcs getting along all right, though. I mean, they're both similar size, you know, similar builds. This is getting weird, isn't it? All right, let's just move. You brought it there. I dropped it. You brought it there. Uh, I brought it right back. This was a fun fact that I laughed at, and I went, that is definitely going into the lore lesson as a fun fact. The modern Orcish language does not contain words Meaning fragile or handle with care. <laughs> Please do not handle me with care. <laughs> Is that hilarious? They don't even know how to be gentle. That's hilarious. They're oh, so gruff, awesome. man. They are. Some notable orcs in Elder Scrolls lore. Cartag. Uh, Kartag is a well-known orcish warrior that served as an ex-member of the Daggerfall Covenant and the leader of the Ropefish, an abolitionist group that helped slaves escape the Great House Telvanni in Vardenfell. There's also uh, Chief Bazrag Grofarun. He is the orcish chief of Clan Faroon, residing in the Faroon stronghold. He is a devout worshiper of Malakath and was once a very close friend of King Kurok. Then there is King Kurog Grower Sinium himself. He's also known as Chief Kurog Grobakrag, the Orcish King of Orsinium. All three of which you will run into in the Elder Scrolls Online. That is awesome. You know, fun fact, the Orcs were actually my first, like, one of my favorite races for the longest time, especially going into Oblivion. That was the first thing I made was, was the Orc. I loved the orcs so incredibly much and and uh you know it's kind of a shame that you don't see him because really if you're gonna go stam you're gonna go red guard for the most part if you're going magicka if you're trying to min max if you're going magicka you're going ultmer you know right. so, so it's like you really don't see orcs a whole lot 
Very cool. You 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 don't. Um, I mean, they're out. They're they're certainly out there. I wouldn't say it's one of the most widely played race played races, but um, yeah, yeah. I've you know, they certainly they certainly do have have their place out there. I mean, you know, they're um, they're often recommended as tanks. Oh tank yeah, good call. Good call. Whatnot. If yeah, if you're min maxing, but you know what? Play your game. If you like orcs, freaking roll a orc orc. Orc Sork, look at that! <laughs> I made a thing. You made a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, good job, man. That was fun. I really liked that. That was cool. So thank you. Mm. Well, that wraps up the last episode of the Lore Seekers podcast for a couple weeks. Uh, special release coming next week. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, head on over to iTunes. Give us a review. Or if you don't use iTunes and whatever platform you're using, give us a review. We appreciate it. Uh, For every five-star review we get on iTunes, we can throw you a shout-out on the show. Um, So there is that. You can call us at 765-382-6961. Leave us your voicemails. Many of you are doing that. Typically, we like to bundle those up and kind of um, go through them all at once. So feel free to keep calling. Just because we haven't done it on the air yet doesn't mean your question is not going to get answered. It's just that uh, we like to uh, bundle them all up. So there's that. Uh, you can email us at lorsecretspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to lorsecretspodcast.com at the bottom of the homepage. Fill out the little form there. It goes right to us. Uh, Cash, as always, we're part of some guilds. Yes, we are. Uh, if you're looking for a great guild for adults and working professionals, you can join Mog Nation and Mog's uh, Guild for Elder Scrolls Online called Meridia's Order of Guards. You can catch them at mog-nation.com and put it in an application there. They are North American PC Guild only. And the Divine Conclave is an RP guild. If you're looking for an RP experience that is outstanding and incredibly welcoming, go to SOCAN, S-O-K-A-N.engine.com. And then, of course, our official Lore Seekers Guild. You can join us and be part of, be part of the uh, Lore Seekers podcast community. It's really growing to be a lot of fun. Um, you can find us at loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild. All you got to do is download, di- download Discord if you don't already have it. Join our server and then type apply in the apply to guild channel and uh, a little application will pop up and we will um, review it. And as long as you're not a douchebag, we'll let you in. Yeah, yeah, we'll let you in. And uh, as long as you're not snooty like an Altmer. <laughs> no, not snooty. Hey, um, quick shout out. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Beta Rays, Jeff, for joining our leadership team this yeah. week. Um, he, uh, he's he been a member of um, a couple of our communities and just a rock-solid member and really really good with our our new folks with helping him out and stuff so i want to give him a shout out there um i also want to give casual ranger a shout out um just for being a supporter of the show and running his own awesome guild and um just being a respectable guy overall um thank you thank you for what you do wink um and then also i wanted to shout out uh blood eye one of our, our very own members who has been so gracious enough to uh, take the lead as our um, trials coordinator. Yes. And um, I honestly will say I've never had better instruction 
on any type of rating in any game than from her. She's incredibly kind, incredibly gentle with new newer players, very patient, and an outstanding teacher. Like play-by-play. She's very, very good. I don't want to, you know, fart too many rainbows on the poor lady. She's amazing, but um, we're just, we're very blessed to have her. And thank you for what you're doing uh, for the uh, the Lore Seekers Guild. You are you're very loved, very very quickly. Agreed. Uh, and then that's it. Very I'll shut much. up. I'll stop talking. Very much. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, well, not yes. You know, you shut up. Yes is. You know, she's awesome. Uh, you shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, you can listen to the show anywhere podcasts can be found: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher wherever whatever app you're using a lot of you use itunes a lot of you use stitcher uh we're all over the place so uh you can follow myself on twitter at jibs irl cash at mod cash and most importantly the show at lore seekers cast now i know cash is cringing cringing because he thinks i'm going to give you teasers and i'm not i'm just going to say next week very special following week very special and exciting announcement regarding the Lore Seekers podcast. And July 20th, we will return. This week was special. You know why? Because I'm here. Well, kind of. It's oh. your birthday, buddy. It was my birthday. Yeah. Happy birthdays. Thank you. Thank you for the crates. That was so nice. You're, thank you. Thank you. No, you're welcome. You're you're dirty 30. I am dirty 30, baby. Yeah, you should go 30, take a shower. flirty, and thriving. Yeah, you should go take a shower. Yeah, I should. Dirty old... No, I mean, really. Man. You know what? Dilly dilly!